0: I am going to hit record here, according to the computer, um, because we do need to just mention a few things at the beginning here. Um, I would like to give you an opportunity to apologize for being from Martha's Vineyard.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, We're just going right there. I'm from Nantucket, which is, of course,
0: the good island, and you're from the bad island, and it's really embarrassing for you. (laughs) So I wanted to just give you an opportunity to apologize. You know, I was wondering why I was getting like the cold shoulder, like <laughs> leading up to this.
1: Uh-huh. Like Duck, who who I perceive as being like like the the like the, re- the renegade mean one, yeah, was actually like super nice behind yeah, yeah, the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I was it, it threw
0: me off, and then you just like stonewalled me, like nothing. Well, I would text I've, you, email you, I've just got, nothing. I've got um, three words to tell you, and that's stomp those grapes. <laughs>
2: okay, I have a question for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Which one is Nabu, and which one is the Gungan Kingdom? Oh, I don't know what either of
1: those things are.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. We got a cool guy here. Oh, <laughs> probably too busy playing basketball. Huh? <laughs> you know, all uh, I know is
1: in Nantucket, like repping Nantucket, that's a hard, like, it's a hard path to sort of like, yeah, oh, man. It's uh, I don't know a lot of people who are like proudly waving the Nantucket flag.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, because... you know, it, well, <laughs> here's it, it's sort of like. So I the, the reference I use in like the wine world is like you have like Ischia and like Capri, where uh-huh. mm-hmm. like Ischia is like larger, more working class. Actual people live there. It has like some sketchy hot springs you can go to. For no, free. you're right. I'm
0: not an mm-hmm. actual person. You're absolutely and, and correct. Nantucket is on.
1: Nantucket is like just the the bougiest part of the vineyard. Extend extended into a sandbar that you I feel can like visit. Nantucket
2: is very bougie.
1: It's extremely bougie, and it's very. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's all like, the things that Martha's Vineyard. Look, is at its worst.
0: Which Martha's one Vineyard, to like? Martha's which, Vineyard which is Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Nantucket exactly. is Joe Biden. So, obviously, we're the working class. Ooh. Amtrak, uh, very, very cool. That's like a nuanced man, right?
1: sort of like comparison.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I thought really you were going
1: like to go further away. I, I no. think I, I think Obama says it all. You know, he 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 wants to be on the Vineyard. That's where mm-hmm. he like recorded his audio book. Like mm-hmm. at my friend's podcast, recording studio probably. in OB. That's where
0: he dropped all those bombs and all those that, people from. It's
1: Perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> I served him some some very nice. Uh, what was it? Craggy Range Sauvignon Blanc. It was oh, like did he like a, it? Highlight of my career. Um, well, maybe clear, he did not drink like it. He did not drink it actually. Um, but <laughs> Michelle I'll Obama was doing it michelle obama was definitely feeling it he drank I, martinis only. i will just oh
2: that's actually oh, kind of damn flex. <laughs> nothing but respect for my president shit that's so cool <laughs> i will
0: just say just we can finish nantucket martha's vineyard talks it matters to nobody else the perception that nantucket is just for rich people is hurtful because there are fifteen thousand people who live there year-round including me and my family and my friends and you, uh you,
2: you still live there well, I used to. Is that where you moved I, to? Yeah, I, I, I hang out there sometimes. I, I get
0: like the
1: summer vibe from you. You're kind of like a summer person, a little bit. Oh no, born and raised. Is that true? You tuck it in my blood. Yeah, I did not know that. Did mm-hmm. so that is news to me. Yeah. So, did you play soccer? Look at
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Dude. I played a different sport? Maybe one involving pads. I played football. So okay, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So the football
1: rivalry. I yes. see where you're
0: coming from now. Yes, yeah, that was grapes. serious. That was that a was, serious robbery. It was serious. Now, now everyone plays whalers, like Cross right? and shit. You guys yeah. were the whales? the Whalers, the Whalers, the Whalers, right? yeah. yeah. You guys, so, the Vikings or some shit? We were the Vikings. And then, like, the grapes or something, I think, even. Well, like, we the... would say Stomp Those Grapes. We thought that was, like, clever because your uniforms are purple.
1: Yeah. And I think that ultimately became the name, it was just, like, the oh, really? your Grapes or something. <laughs> silly.
2: I imagine high school boys are really chill about purple uniforms. I can imagine that being really. <laughs> there was no slur. I didn't quit football because of all the
0: slurs being yelled at me. I'll just tell you that. Damn. Um, you yeah. know,
1: football was way too, way too competitive for me. And soccer, mm-hmm. on the other hand, was extremely chill. And Nantucket, you guys had like the worst team in the league. I think oh, yeah. everyone who had any shred of a- athleticism
0: was playing football. Exactly. And then right when I was like graduating, everyone who played soccer was like, fuck this. Have you guys heard of lacrosse? And they all like went to lacrosse camps in Connecticut and shit. And it got mm. like really broy that way. So. Our soccer but, team was really bad.
2: I still don't know what the difference is between a Nantucket and a Martha's Vineyard. Like, this is like, this is so no, arcane. <laughs> this is like Coley and Coley Orientale. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, Coley, Coley Orientale. I, I,
1: would, I would go to Nantucket once a year for like a, a distributor tasting, maybe mm. like MS Walker, if that means anything to you guys in New yeah, York. Yeah, it
2: sounds yep. like an MS Walker kind of place. <laughs> and you huh, you, like go
1: to this fancy place on the, like the Harbor, mm. like Crew or something like that. Yep. And... Um, you You just feel like it's like inclement, it's like a sandbar. it's very windy. it's always dark, it's and, very gray and, and wet, and everyone is just dressed to impress on like kind of cobblestone streets. I don't know yeah. it's I just don't I don't understand like the full three sixty, but I think that Martha's Vineyard just has like a more complete sort of like year round mm. so how many counties
0: in Martha's Vineyard can you not drink in again at least one right
1: definitely the one so yeah, the ta- uh, so town there's, there's zero just one place. county. One county, but six okay. towns, and right. all but all but two of them were dry, including the one I grew up in and the yeah, one I moved that to. Sucks.
0: Oh. So let's see who, who slaps the yeah, one okay, where yeah, not, everyone's I'm an talking, alcoholic and you I'm can I'm drink every ride or die.
2: Martha, Martha's <laughs> Vineyard is so ironic.
3: It's gorgeous.
0: They seem really similar to me. I'm going to be honest. If you live on one, you'd have no reason to go to the other. And so, like, I've been to Martha's Vineyard five times in my life. There's no reason to go. That's more than I've been. So your perception is just like, I don't know, those people are weird over there. Like, you have no fucking idea. They're
1: far far enough apart. apart. And then there's Chappaquiddick, which is, like, a little bit of, like, if you imagine, like, the shape of Martha's Vineyard being, like, a Napoleon hat. Yeah. Like the Like, the right, like, you know, the eastern, like, like thing is is chappaquiddick and that is like
0: that's where the kennedys kill people that's where the kennedys
1: yes exactly and and you actually have to take a little boat to get there and that i've been that's part of martha's union i've been there like four times
2: i'm pretty sure you can drive through the water aren't you you right ted kennedy (laughs) sorry i i I, that that joke didn't land because i'm so exhausted from selling wine today oh man Um, there's no story i just yeah i did my job Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm impressed. Are you guys uh, like? Are you guys out on the hitting the pavement, so to
2: speak? I hate it. Yes, I, I just I walked um, ten miles today. I moved
0: to to the Hudson Valley, and I still yeah. work in the city. So yesterday, I took a train in at like eight forty five, worked all day, went to a nice dinner. And then missed my train home and had to like drink Jameson shots on the sidewalk at a shitty Irish bar waiting for a train to come. It was very bad. You didn't bad. have to. You could have done well, anything else. I had an hour to kill. What
2: would you have done? I would go to a video arcade, maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I used to take that train a bunch. I played. I played in a band with some folks at uh, Bard College, uh-huh. okay. and we chilled. We ate Jesus. a lot. We did a lot of like all, like all you can eat wing nights on mushrooms, at like yeah. in Red Hook and like Poughkeepsie. Uh huh. A um, lot of lot of good memories. A lot of. Do you very... know
2: Anthony Bellevue Flores? Uh,
1: I do not. Not okay. not, not. I. You know, I, every once in a while, someone from Bard kind of pops up in my radar, like. Like I read about one kid I remember quite well who who's now like a falconer, Jeez. and, I, and I, I I like he he had like a pretty big spread in like the New York Times. And this it was like, like a like, Wes, oh. Wes Anderson movie or something. Yeah, it was super Wes Anderson. Yeah. Nice. But uh, anyway, this I've is got the longest we've
0: gone without time about like wine and or nine eleven on the podcast. In a this
2: is uh, well, um, welcome to Discourges. It is a podcast about Northeast issues.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. um, my name is Duck. Hi, I'm the Nantucket One, and our guest today is Sam Decker. Sam, thank you for joining us. And stopping. So, having me
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so this, th- is, this is a fun episode. I'm I sorry hope so. For this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm super psyched to be here, guys. Thank right right before we me. started, I ate half a pound of tortellini with pesto and eggs. Um, I have had nothing to eat from noon till we recorded this at 7.30. Um, I walked um, 10 miles. And I sold a lot of wine and I said, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. So we had to push this back a little bit. And I ate an entire, like, the entire pot of tortellini just standing up in the kitchen, yelling at Yuma not to fucking look at me. So I'm in a great (laughs) mood. And now there's a half pound of tortellini in my stomach. And I just, I could not get up off this chair for a million. Tortellini (laughs) is not the most energetic food.
1: No, yeah. It's, so we're talking cheese filling. Yeah. Right.
2: You yeah. really want to have like one serving of tortellini, not the four servings I consume going <laughs> yeah. to the bag. Yeah, that's like... going
1: to turn into energy in like four hours.
2: Oh, I can't wait for those four tortellini hours. That is and the, the wine. Tortellini is the Italian word for
0: those things you um, tie <laughs> to <laughs> someone's feet before you throw them in the water so that they uh, don't <laughs> rise to the top and get found by the police. That's how heavy they are.
2: Damn. That was a uh, long. Yeah.
0: That was a long walk. Sorry, we're doing
2: it. A long walk off a short <laughs> pier. Um, so yeah, I'm exhausted. Uh, but it's weird being back on the street. There's an energy. There was one moment today where I was like, "Oh, I like this city," and then like nine hundred thousand yeah. moments where I'm like. I think I'm gonna get a gun and kill somebody.
0: Yeah, that happened to me yesterday. I my lunch yesterday was a Snickers ice cream bar,
2: Oh which was like great, but also like really we're on that sad. healthy boy tip. That's great. <laughs> I did see you drink two beers really fast
1: too. <laughs> yeah, here in Montreal, it's like just you know very very good vibes. Like mm-hmm. no, we we don't have like any sign any like physical sign of spring yet. Mm. We're, you're you're still like climbing over like giant mounds of snow. Mm. Um, but it's, like, 50 degrees at times for a minute. Oh, that's wonderful. And the, the sun comes out, and, like, we're in this little neighborhood called Mile End, mm-hmm. which is sort yep. of, like, you know, very small town within a city, kind of. It's, like, we, I love we, it.
0: We know of it because of the Mile End Deli that they have, which is, like, the Montreal-style deli restaurant. Yeah, right York. on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, you know, we got – I'm right next to the bagel spot, and we're just – It's uh, it's –
0: Man, I love this. I love this it, town. It's too bad <laughs> no, that your bagels got hit with that shrink ray gun. That was
1: dude. That the was bagels are very flat, and you have to. What you have to do is you have to buy them fresh and yeah. then cut them in half yeah. before, like, like ten minutes, or else they just get so hard you cannot do anything with them. Right. So you cut them and then Same. freeze them.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, you Once freeze get,
1: them cut. You, you freeze them cut. Yep. It's da- that, we,
0: we got to be careful. Like bagel discourse right now has been really it's violent. All time
2: low. It's I like, got kicked out of one of the bagel places in Montreal. I can only so <laughs> I was swearing in Saint-Viateur, uh, which is like that's a spot. That's that's a spot on my block. It's a great spot. I love it. I was is it I it- said, these bagels are fucking good. And the guy behind the counter was like, "Excuse me, sir. Uh, you 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 cannot uh, swear here. Uh, you, you know." And I thought he was <laughs> fucking with me. I thought he was joking. I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, I'm so fucking sorry." He's like, "No, you have to leave." And so I never <laughs> got back to Saint-Viateur. I'm now I'm a Fairmount guy. I don't really like the Fairmount bagels, but you can swear there. You can do Is whatever the him? fuck you want. Fairmount bagels. You can shoot up. You can do. You can. You can kick rocks. You can bring. You can bring I your saw tur- you run through several things to say you could kick and be like, nope, nope, nope. Rocks, not a good thing nope. to kick rocks. rocks. <laughs> you can bring your turtle into into Fairmount. It's a great yeah. spot. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm I'm a big fan. I've actually just. They have many different types of bagels, but it's there's one, there's only one type to get, and that's the sesame seeds, mm-hmm. because they're, they just make like a hundred times more of those than any other type of bagel, and it's always going to be fresh. Uh, Where if you get like an everything bagel, which I don't even remember what they call it, it's like it's like all the seasonings, it's like the, American, the French word for it, yeah, and and it's it's just like what you would get in the states, you know, yeah. But mm-hmm. there's something about that sesame bagel that is. Have you guys been? I, I, duck turkey many many a time so the simmet
2: oh to turkey oh yeah, yeah, yeah turkey. i lived there
1: yeah so it's yeah. got the simit. it's exact that's what i love about the montreal bagel is it has so many it just feels to me like it's got that density mm-hmm. it's it's like thin it's not like this carb bomb mm. so for me i see the simit. i see the simit connection that's why i love it
2: i don't um i don't talk about uh, <laughs> breakfast because i get into too much trouble when i start going <laughs> off on the real roots of them um but anyways, uh, yeah, we should start drinking some wine. Yeah, let's I do it. Do you guys got your wine? so slow. Yes, thank you for sending us wine. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think today's, we should discuss, like, what the kind of theme today is, because... Well, here's well, the name. Yeah. Um, one weird trick. Wine distributors hate him. <laughs> I thought that would be fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um And so we're we're gonna be talking uh, probably about the three-tier system, and we'll be talking about... Um, how you can get wine without paying Kevin and I. Which is <laughs> Yeah. Stupid. This is a really bad idea for yeah. us to do this episode. Oh, did maybe. you
1: guys okay this with your respective companies or what What sort of conversations well, I, did you have? I privately? stormed right in there and I mm-hmm.
0: said, listen, Mac, uh, <laughs> you don't tell me who to boss around. And I slammed
2: my phone down, which is weird because we were in person and then I walked out. So I'm, I'm hoping I don't hear about this on Tuesday. <laughs> um, but I just want to point out that like, this is a great way to buy wine. However, all the ones that Core Wine brings in, I mm. don't want to do this to you. We do bring in fresher and better bottles that yeah. don't have um, mm. rat poison in them. Yeah, right. And yeah. it's weird—the well, ones a, that you a, sell has rat poison, which some people like. Well, that, that's weird.
1: definitely a fair point.
2: Yeah, so, yeah. Same yes. with the T.
0: Edward ones. It's like um, yours are um, bad. Yeah, they're they're full of wild boars. Come. <laughs> I did the same joke, but worse. It was cool.
2: Yeah, it was good. It's called heightening in the comedy world. Heightening the contradictions, mate. It's capitalism, isn't it? Adam Curtis.
1: <laughs> I gotta say, you guys are funnier in, in like virtual setting than you are on the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we're both um deliriously tired. I literally I mean like I I got home at like one in the morning and like when you get off the train and beacon, like I still have to walk twenty-five minutes home mm-hmm. uphill both ways. And so I got home, and I just, like, I, I've just been a mess all day mm-hmm. today. I've been, like, putting my shoes on backwards. I've mm-hmm. been, like, forgetting my son's name. Mm-hmm. It's been bad. Well, so physical this exhaustion really
2: was the spice for the first, like, two years of Disgorgeous that we never mm-hmm. talked about. Was, we almost always did every episode after a full day's work. Right. You know Kevin and I work hard. Mm. We're out back there, then. Back then, we were, like, Hi, hey, please, could you buy some wine? Look at my portfolio. It's got bubbles in it. Oh. Um, and like we would like we would do that. We'd come at like five or six to Kevin's house, we'd drink two beers, we'd start doing the podcast, and we wouldn't have a theme until it was over. So, um it's weird to be back in the exhaustion days. Just like, yeah, I don't I, care.
1: I think you hit a certain level of exhaustion, like, you know, two nights ago I did not I didn't sleep a wink. Mm-hmm. And I felt great the next day. And, and, and there's, there's something to be said for like a complete lack of sleep. And then, and then you get a little bit of sleep and it's sort of like, it's like you hit a breaking point. But I think that there's, there's like a lack of complexity in your thoughts that actually like enables you to like be better, be a better human and be more productive.
2: It's like, if you have a little bit of wine, you get a car accident, you're yes, probably going to die. But if you have exactly. a ton of wine, you get a car accident. You're actually, you're so you're, limber. It's ugh. just totally chill.
1: Yeah. You're like delivering babies and, you know.
2: So like, you know, they don't recommend it but if you have to drink and drive you have if you do have a drinking problem way. and
0: you're a surgeon you want to have that little nip so that your hand doesn't shake you know yeah. i
2: think we're all saying the same thing and we're all <laughs> we're all co-signing this point
0: so um i think we should start you know drinking the wine and talking about let's it, do but it let's let's just talk a little bit about like what brings us to the table today what 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 you do let's start there right what do you do right besides yeah, yeah. rep montreal and martha's vineyard mm-hmm.
1: yeah so I founded a company called Wine in Peace
3: mm-hmm.
1: with my wife Katie. Mm-hmm. And and we so we actually founded, you know, we founded the company on Martha's Vineyard, but we came to Montreal to sort of build it and and sort of flesh it out and hire people and build a team and just like be in a cool place where we could have access to talent and just be inspired and also just like live well and afford daycare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there's no like intrinsic sort of like legal or technical reason we have to be in Canada. It's just sort of like where we wanted to be.
2: Sounds suspicious. I mean it, it's... that's how that's how Canada Canadians got there. They're not supposed to be there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. So so the company is essentially, you know, we we exist to sort of like put you out of business, you know,
0: essentially. Mm-hmm. So um thank you. Yeah, you know, okay. thank you for Good having me. Could you also put us out of our misery?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you guys can definitely, you know. I would I'm accepting resumes. Great. So. Okay,
2: cool. I love yeah. that. That's, um, <laughs> consider this my resume, I guess.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so we're essentially, you know, I, I came from the sommelier. I, my wife and I owned a restaurant in Mexico for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that is actually where I got into wine. And little by little, we kind of moved back to Martha's Vineyard and I ended up going from like production kind of aspirations to kind of make wine and and live in Mexico and kind of have this, Sort of like production like centric experience and go more to to being a Sommelier, and I, mm-hmm. I did the, I did like the quartermaster sommeliers and got really into that whole world. Um, and little by little, I just got very disillusioned by it. Um, I can imagine why yeah, it was it was like, oh man, I, I think like growing up on Martha's Vineyard, living in Mexico, it's like I, I like being in a place that isn't like controlled by like men in suits. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and like, uh, like huge struct like creating these like hierarchical structures and things Mm -hmm. like this. And um, it just, everything I fell in love with about wine in Mexico, where it was just like no rules, like just dudes just trying to like build a region from scratch and like do, and, you know, make something cool and sort of reference, you know, Rioja reference Bordeaux, but like really like no real formal training and just, and, and working naturally and doing cool stuff to like, join the court and think of it. Wow. Here's my chance to kind of like be a part of something and kind of push myself, Mm. which I don't know, you know, Kevin, you might be able to relate to like growing up on an Island. you like, Mm -hmm. you, you seek out these things of, you know, you know, motivations and, and things that you can kind of like aspire to. Yeah. And ultimately I, as I got higher up in the levels, it just, so essentially what happened is in the winter of 2018, my, my wife had gone back to school so she, from a very young age, was a chef and would travel in the summer, uh, travel in the winters, you know, cook all summer, and just didn't do traditional schooling, and just kind of like was became an adult at a very young age, and you know, so she, we we did the restaurant, and she lured me down to Mexico, and then when we moved back to Martha's Vineyard, she was going through school, taking all these social justice classes, and and like studying and hitting the books and writing papers and like. Meanwhile, I was studying for the advanced level samurai exam, and just there was like this side by side, like just head down studying, and we just like little by little, it just became more and more apparent. Like the stuff I was learning was very stupid, you know. Like
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very like
1: same. very. You look at <laughs> your window, and like it has nothing to do with anything that matters or, or relates to you in any way. Right. You know, it's like I I love learning, and I love like pushing myself, mm-hmm. and so like I could get into it, but you just start to realize that like there's no like there's nothing like just it's you're memorizing so many things that yeah. don't have any texture Not tangible to, yeah no tan yeah and it just and meanwhile it's sort of like it, the whole way it's orchestrated is like about what's in the glass these blind tasting and you know um and and stripping away like any like like you you'd go to the courses or you'd go to the examinations and it was very you know it had a feeling that just it nothing i loved about wine was present almost you know right um and so and it wasn't like and you know it just was a kind of like a growing feeling and then when it was finally time to for Katie and i to be like all right let's start our own business we basically had this moment where we were like let's try to tell you know teach people about wine and engage people about wine in a way that like brings wine into a broader conversation that oh, i i felt wait, like everything i was yeah, like you guys did, <laughs> totally. But like, you know. Except and you're so, a Ronin. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: sure and no so it, it was like this, you know, I I grew up caring about a certain set of things and a, a certain set of values from where I grew up, like how I was educated, what I care about, what I read. And like, I loved wine, but a lot of that stuff wasn't being talked about in wine. Mm-hmm. And so this was a chance for us to be like, all right, that's that's. Let's add that stuff back in, and so really kind of try to re- reframe the story of wine and what we cared about it with things like social justice, with like really talking about the environment, and 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 trying to make make wine accessible to more people by showing people how it can align with their values, if that makes sense. And that was yeah. like the very like small sort of like nugget of what we wanted to like reach for, but like the actual business model was was still very like nascent we really didn't know what we were going to do so much we just knew what like we wanted to kind of like we knew the mission but we didn't know like the business model
0: sure and, well i guess so here's the question and we um let's talk about the wine too yeah. in a minute but like you know all of this that you're saying makes sense um you know from my if i was thinking like this and i was like well i want to start something i would start an importer or a distributor mm-hmm. and so what was it? But what you've done is is different from that. So I think maybe we should talk about. Yeah. I guess yeah. maybe we should introduce to snatch food out of Kevin's baby's mouth. <laughs> we should. I think what we need to do is introduce like what exactly is yeah. the three what tier is it? Tier yeah. So, so right.
1: Let me tell you. So oh, the three – Let me let me tell you what the model is, and then yeah. I'll like Great. against the backdrop of the three tier Sure. Yeah. So ultimately, I started cold calling like winemakers I'd worked with as a sommelier. So like. Jared and Tracy from Donkey and Goat,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, Jason from Vinca Miner, uh, Jason Charles, um, just like random American winemakers who I've really respected and was just sure they, th- who I thought were killing it and could give me insights into, into like what, what their big pain points are in the industry. Mm-hmm. And ultimately what the thing that everyone said was, was like DTC, like mm-hmm. we got to sell DTC if we're going to like go on a vacation ever again, or like buy mm-hmm. that truck. Um, so and little just, by little, that, that, that was, means
2: uh, for the listeners, that's direct to consumers, yeah. That exactly, mm-hmm. direct to consumer. Okay. So we just realized. I thought it meant like, down to Chungus. I was <laughs> <this> Dragon <laughs>
0: troll kiss copulation.
1: Yeah, so so we just basically, it it, it occurred to us that like we could make a he- much bigger impact on the this industry we cared so much about by kind of like. <laughs> building a startup, you know, which, Mm -hmm. which we, I'm not a startup guy. I'm not a tech person, but like, we basically realized that like the industry is so kind of stuck in the dark ages in terms of like how these wines get to people and how people learn about these wines Mm -hmm. that like, we realized that if we built this marketplace, that was like essentially the Etsy, like the Mm -hmm. Etsy of wine. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It, it resonates with a certain set, you know, like people, there are some people who are like Etsy, man, that's like, Oh,
2: you mean Pinterest? Some janky shit. I, I don't think I've ever dated anyone who doesn't have an Etsy page. So like, yeah, <laughs> I've
1: definitely had some investors be like, man, Etsy, that is like not the sexiest reference, but.
2: Well, um, it depends who you ask.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, But yeah. So, so essentially it was a very like basic idea that even that, that Katie really like landed on and she's not from the wine industry. So like, I was like, man, that is too complicated. Like distributors, three tier system. Like, there's no way that ex- that could exist because, or else, it would be someone would be done, it. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and but like, we just kind of like we we stayed at it, and and we just kind of really like spent essentially two years trying to like learn the this the kind of the legal system and the structures, and ultimately we managed to to make it happen. So essentially, what we built was was a, a two sided marketplace where you have small American value-driven producers on one side and consumers on the other. And so they're buying wine directly from the winemakers themselves, mm-hmm. supporting them in a meaningful way that, that cuts out some of the, these tiers that we're talking about
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, and creates this more holistic system where winemakers can afford to be small and make good wine mm-hmm. and, and consumers kind of know what the fuck they're getting and, and can get excited about it in a way that's not like this game of telephone, if you will.
0: Sure, and so like, so just to break it down, and I, I feel like ninety eight percent of our listeners are in the fucking wine industry, so they're like, yeah, yeah I know what the fuck the three tiered system is, but yeah. but let's just do it. Let's do let's it. Fucking do it. Um, yeah. So the first tier is like a nice little red velvet. Mm-hmm. Second tier, you do your cream cheese frosting. Okay, you get your Oreo crust. That's I think that's it. No, I, um... <laughs> I was gonna do the bases like making out. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. So like. What you're taught, I guess, what you're taught, like when you start in this industry, is that like, oh yeah, there's this three tiered system, and it's meant to protect the consumer, and it's is meant, that
2: it and is that meant, what I was
0: never told that, and it's that's meant to protect bullshit. the producer, and it's like there's all this stuff that's like, okay, we have to keep this separated because. If one person is in control of everything, then they can control the price, and it's bad for the consumer in the end. Like, this is all shit that hmm. I've only have been realizing in the last year. That, Interesting. Like, See, I've never heard this, because I never worked for a distributor. Right. Well, I'm not saying, like, my boss told me this, but right, just, like, right. in the industry in general, like, hmm. if someone, if you're like, what? Why the three-tier system? Even when I was, like, working retail or something,
3: hmm.
0: uh, the explanation you would get, or, like, M-W set or something mm-hmm. was, like, mm-hmm. it's, the the idea behind it is, like, You know, it has to create a a fair playing field so like one person can't own a store and import and Mm -hmm. distribute and make the wine.
2: Because then they they could
0: choose. But but like, Mm -hmm. but people, first of all, people Mm -hmm. still do that. And Mm -hmm. second of all, how is four people dipping their toe in the pool, whatever the euphemism is. Beak. Dipping their beak, you know, getting their beak wet. How is that helping (laughs) the final consumer? It doesn't make any sense when you actually tease it out. But that was always the way it was spun to me: mm. was you have to separate these tiers. It's to protect everyone and make it
2: an even playing field, which is and sounds also, like capitalism bullshit to me. Mm. But, mm. Rosenthal and Kermit Lynch, and to a lesser extent Chambers, uh, or Moore brothers, that right or, now. or yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah.
0: there's there's certain there's loopholes. There's gray there's gray areas. Mm-hmm. There are um, gr- people who are grandfathered in um, mm-hmm. to certain agreements that like it's okay. But yeah, for for the most part, the understanding is like. This system is here for a reason. And it's something that, like in this industry, we all do. We take for granted, like, well, there's a reason for it. Like, there's a Mm. reason why the SLA is this archaic bullshit system. There's a reason why I live in Philly and, like, I have to buy my wine this way. But really, there's no, it's not really a very good modern reason for any of this shit. It's just like we've always done it this fucking way and we are too lazy or stupid to change it.
1: Well, it, it's also, it's just such a huge machine. And that, and that's what people don't realize is like the US wine industry is like a $72 billion industry. You know, that is like bigger than like this, like the movie industry or like, it's like a wow. giant, a giant thing, but it's so state by state. It's, it's broken. It's fractured right. in such a way that there's nobody like looking at the whole thing and being like, Whoa, you know, and, and there are like the Southern glazers who, who, who are in multiple States and have are, but, and, you know, even the state distributors are huge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I think the the bottom line is like, it, it's a system that makes perfect sense, like in 1932. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it makes, if you're like, a, like for teetotalers who are like, want to restrain and moderate drinking on a state level through taxation. And, yeah. and, and, you know, why tax once when you can tax three times? Sure. You know, it's, it makes so much sense. But at, that right now, like there's, like you said, Kevin, there's like, you just like you. You start looking at it, and you're just like, wait. So there's really, uh, you, it's hard. I'd be hard pressed to think of a really good reason, like a thing that cons- where the consumer benefits or the or the winery benefits. I think ultimately well, it's just the
0: importers. the I mean, I'm, I'm shooting myself yeah, in it, the fucking foot saying this, but it's it's not dissimilar to the idea that like, you know, you learn at some point that every other country just tells you how much taxes you owe and you pay it, mm-hmm. and in our country. Because TurboTax exists, they lobby the government to not change the fucking laws because they mm. they won't make money anymore. So like, we've gotten to certain points in America and in many industries where like, the industry industry is just like, well, we're here now. What are we supposed to do if right. you change those laws? Then we don't exist anymore.
2: But that's not a great reason to keep a law in place, right? I mean, I do have one one good reason, which is yeah. like, not to go to like the. Well, actually, just fucking do it. Like Amazon. Mm-hmm. And 750 mm-hmm. have been trying to. Um, mm-hmm. They've been. They've been like I, we've been joking with you about stealing money from Kevin's baby. But like, mm-hmm. 750 definitely does not want Kevin and I to have a job.
1: What's 750 doing now? Because I, when I when I was working as a wine buyer, 750 was really just like you could like Google. You know, essentially like a search engine.
2: And now mm-hmm. you can order through it, um, mm-hmm. and it has everyone's stuff on it, and you can compare prices and yada yada yada. And like it's it's funny. Because I don't want to be on these guys, but the more efficient the system becomes, mm-hmm. it's more like it, 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 so many people, myself included, make our living on the inefficiencies, which is a crazy thing to be proud of. But it's also like, like you know, you, like, I, I think what you're doing, like, full stop is really cool. And I think that especially people who don't have access to good wine stores, which is mm. by far the majority of the, of the country, yeah. like, I think if, I think if you're in New York City... Like, I think that supporting local wine stores is maybe a really important thing. But if you're in fucking Iowa, I don't just pull that one out of my ass. I don't even know yeah, that's a place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you want to get, you can get these wines mm-hmm.
3: and yeah. you can get
2: them at the right price. And that's fucking rad. And full stop, you should definitely do that. that. No one's paid me to say that. I think that's cool. But, like, I get really nervous because, like the more when like legal inefficiencies get kind of ironed out and when it becomes easy to do what you're doing on a scalable level mm. it's not going to be you no doing of course, it. think, of course it's, not it's not going to be no, you no. You're doing. it's going to be amazon it's going to be 750 it's going to be facebook and that really spooks me but that's maybe not a good reason not to do it it's right. just it's yeah. terrifying i mean so, we, we live in a we just have to hope that no one notices what we do it's yeah. what you say 72 billion dollar a year yeah. that is afraid of being noticed because if yeah. someone fixes it we're all fucked
1: yeah like if the uber if someone tries to come in and be like the uber of wine you know which Um,
0: everyone is doing i mean like my instagram it's one of the things i love about the algorithm is it doesn't get like taste Mm -hmm. it gets Mm. like interests but doesn't understand taste you know what i mean so it's like Mm. oh i see you like rock and roll do you want Mm -hmm. tickets to see and it's like the worst band in the world You're like Mm. no you don't understand there's a kind of that i like and like everything i get in instagram as ads now is like Sign up for this natural wine to your doorstep. Mm-hmm. But it's not mm-hmm. like producers. It's like we made our own natural wine. Mm-hmm. That's not actually natural wine. Well, natural it. wine
2: at home. And
0: we that's deliver it, it to you and you get the pinky one and the orangey one.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I think like the nefar- nef- nefarious, nefarious, like side of like internet industrial wine. That's mm-hmm. like that's like sort of emerged because the internet is so fast paced. Yeah. So it used to be like, or right, like the EJ Gallo guys, like that's clearly industrial wine It comes in a jug, it's mm-hmm. like 4.99 at like the grocery store. I know what it is or something sort of like almost like nice and comforting about like like just the certainty of what you're getting.
2: Oh, yeah, right. jugging out the Yeah,
1: jugging out, you know, like like Carlo it's a couple Rossi of jugglers hanging style. out. <laughs> but when it comes to some of these more sort of like shadowy sort of uh sleight of hand sort mm-hmm. of uh, practices that are that you're seeing on these kind of internet-based e- like retailers, mm-hmm. y- you know, you know, you know, wink, you know, I don't know if you guys yes. like next week. Okay. So sure. gonna be really awkward. <laughs> so, but like, you know, like you get the impression that you are buying from like an indie artisanal, like, mm-hmm. like, like retailer who has all these different labels and like, wow, this is such a cool thing. Um, I'm, I'm like, um, I'm, I'm living my best millennial life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately it's an industrial, it's the biggest winery in the world. Yeah. Like literally. Natural wine
2: uh, as a, as an idiom doesn't require being natural or even wine. You can make things that look and taste like natural wine by just making, like you can just make wine and like zhuzh it up. You can just put a fucking like cool label on, on, on slop. Um, Mm. And and maybe it won't fool the right, maybe it won't fool people in like, who are like, you know, I can't remember who
0: it was. I think it might've been, kelby or or someone else who was on recently but they said like are we like are we going to be that surprised when eventually all these wineries are just adding cloudy stuff to their Mm. wines Mm. after Mm. they've filtered it to give it cloudiness back after they've taken it away so they get the Mm. impurities out that they don't like but then they give it the appearance of being cloudy later like it'll be the super purple of our or the mega purple of our times yeah Um, that's
1: very that's super interesting yeah um, so we, we want to be the opposite of that. And like, yeah. we've, we've grown like very organically. Like we have, we have 30 producers on the site right now. Mm-hmm. And these are people who I like cold called and then like went out and visited and like showed up like, and just like, these were like heroes of mine who like, I read about in like the new California wine book or like mm-hmm. had been following on Instagram and were just like, I, 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 and you know, tasted their wines and was, I, I just felt like, you know, these were like, for me, like the celebrities. The kind of like you know and showing up at their winery and like seeing like you know sashi mormon and like rajpar like hanging out like drinking coffee and me just kind of going in and being telling what we what we envisioned because we hadn't even built the site yet and and the response that we got was just it just blew me away because like everyone's it just everyone said yes you know and it was like we didn't even have a site they had never heard of me i just kind of recognized how this how much of a problem it was you know like mm-hmm. It, it, it's so hard as a sommelier to see behind the curtain of what it, what it is yeah. like to be a small business owner slash winemaker.
0: I want to just pause to talk about the first wine, uh, yeah, which I yeah, assume yeah. we're all drinking the same one. We haven't talked about it since it's time. but it's fucking good. Yeah. Isn't that shit amazing? Is it Iruai or Iruay? Iruai. uh Arcana, uh, Savannin. So they were Method Sauvage. Correct. And they've mm. changed... Their whole kind of mission statement and their name and everything like that. Yeah, just recently. Yeah,
2: um, fucking fabulous wine. It's really really we, good. We loved their Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Uh Like year, I think almost three, like two years ago. Yeah, two or three years ago. Like, I, I was obsessed with it. It was on my top ten list. This wine is a fucking beast of a fucking wine. Yeah,
1: this is very very cool wine. So do you guys know Chad?
2: No, no not not personally. not personally.
0: No,
1: he's a fan of the Pod.
2: The oh no. He's, no, he's a fan of the Chad. Pod. We
0: have a lot of Chads that are fans of the pod, and we did that whole episode where we made the Chad, fun of the Chads. Chad and later on, I was like, I hope they didn't get upset about that. We have too many Chad listeners.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he is an extremely cool guy. He's just like I—I I think you know—I'm drawn to winemakers who are like individuals, you know, mm-hmm. who are just like on their own journey and 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 doing something cool, but doing it like they're they're in it for the long game, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not like you, it, I could see somebody seeing kind of chad's some of chad's posts are like instagram like buzz and being like this guy is just like throwing up some natural wine stuff and like trying to like ride the wave but it's like the exact opposite yeah. you know it's like he's been doing it for so long and is so passionate and the project he's doing now which is ira is like it's deeply insane. rooted in in place and mm-hmm. like
0: uh, the something idea so he's he's, building, he's, yeah. he's up in the shasta mountain yeah the so, foothills mm-hmm. of the shasta mountain essentially right like yeah And he's planting alpine varietals, and like, exactly, that's fucking incredible. Like, that's not crazy, that's not easy, that's weird. Or yeah. it's not so, like oh,
2: here's easy money. I'm gonna plant 17. No,
0: it's not easy money in it's the rain like, shadow yeah. of
2: the Shasta Mountain. There's like so, so many cults that say Shasta Mount yeah. Shasta is like the yeah. entry to like hell or to the next millennium. Uh-huh. So that's really cool, just to be in that space of a cosmic energy.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and he captures it. You know, I think like that is like what he's after, and it's like part of his terroir is like mm-hmm. the new way, new agey vibes of of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so yeah, so you drive five hours north of San Francisco or or five hours south of Portland. And and you get to this area, Mm -hmm. which is California, but, but like deep, deep Northern California in the mountain, in the Southern tip of the Cascades as they like creep down from BC, like just over the Oregon border. So he's in a town called, uh, called Etna, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Etna, California, which is, you know, look, overlooks, you know, the Trinity Alps Mm -hmm. and even more close than that is the, is Mount Shasta, which Mm -hmm. is just, like an epic, like Mount Fuji, like sort of presence over the region. And no, nothing's out there. You know, he's kind of yeah. like building a region from scratch kind of.
2: This one's um, yeah, really um, fabulous.
1: Yeah. And he, he actually found this from, so he, this is not something he's, he planted.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so who's he, growing it first? Yeah. So he basically like his wife is from this area mm-hmm. and he, you know, he made a great name for himself, built a great brand and like was making Fucking really good wines under the, you know, the method Sauvage mm-hmm. label, and in Richmond, so in California, mm-hmm. and then basically he he decided like he wanted to do something that just wasn't like so ephemeral or like kind of like ebbs and flows of the trends, but do some mm-hmm. like plant plant his stake in the ground, right? And so he started making trips with his wife up to this area, and just kind of trying to get a sense of what was there, who was planting grapes, what what the terroir was, and ultimately found this dude who had just was like a German wine freak. And back in the eighties planted like all these different German varietals in, in the Trinity Alps essentially. So right in that area. And basically he was kind of going through tasting through his wines, like not crazy about the style, but just like impressed with what was there. Mm-hmm. And the dude was basically like, and then I've got this like virtual Blanc thing that I don't <laughs> really know what to do with. And that is Sevenen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it kind of like his ears perked up, and he was like, "Wait, what? What's that?" The guy was like, "Yeah, it sucks. Like, it doesn't have like it doesn't smell like anything." <laughs> and and he was like, "Right, it doesn't divert. That's, that's, that's awesome. And he doesn't have that giveerts." <laughs> and, and so, oh he, no. And and so and he was like, "Can I can I buy all of it?" And and basically he did, and and that's like the relationship was born for him. So and it's a parcel that has been farmed organically since the eighties. Um, just because there's no, it's like off the grid, you know. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. The guy wasn't like an ardent like sustainability d- person. He just, it just was like a matter of fact way of farming that happened to align with the organic kind of regimen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, like- so that's that's the story of this wine, and and now he's planting his own trousseau and and has like a, a experimental vineyard where he's trying all these different alpine varieties. So he's he's kind of building it slowly as he's also. Finding growers in the area and and sort of like creating a building like the sort of like the world.
2: This is kind of like midsummer though, now, right? It's like a little <laughs> bit like is building an alpine paradise. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I, I, I to me it really resonates because I think it's like
1: I, I think like this is the future of of like I think this is the kind of stuff that like people who are now getting into wine
3: mm-hmm.
1: are going to spend. $80 on when they're like our age, mm. you know, or older, you know, cause I don't know how often you guys just drop in $80 on wine, but like, unfortunately <laughs> too much. Yeah. So, so like, I just think that for me, there's this, like he was seeing, okay, I can stay in Richmond and keep kind of like trying to do this negociant thing and find parcels of, of Chenin Blanc or find, you know, maybe hopefully I'll get a vineyard contract. That's people have heard of. And I'm making sort of like a single vineyard thing mm. and, But he just felt like that—that wasn't like the direction he wanted to go, and I don't think it's ultimately the direction of perhaps American wine.
0: Arguably, I wanted to sort of like this is where I wanted to pick back up is like something that I think ties I think to to the vision as well. Sure, but I just let me get this point out. Um, I, I think I think you can kind of tie together several threads here, which is um, this idea that. I think that the the importer distributor model like it does there are parts of it that do make sense when you're talking about wine coming from another continent when you're talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. um you know that trek that voyage and that kind of remove that there there is I think benefit in some regard to having an intermediary someone who's been there someone's like I went and I saw it I did this thing I touched it I was there yeah. and I think that that's fine and I think that there's this there's also all of these built-in safety nets in Europe that we don't have in America. And there's mm-hmm. also there's demand for European wine that sometimes outpaces the demand for American wine. There's all these things that can make it in certain ways. I'm not saying it's always easy, but easier to be a European winemaker in the Loire than it is to be a winemaker yeah. in California. I mean, not right now,
2: at this exact moment. At this exact
0: moment, absolutely it's not. not. so People easy are lighting in par- fires in the fields. I, I know Prayers this. Prayers I mean, up. Obviously, like, all of this is I'm, – I'm, like, being very vague and, mm-hmm. and just making mm-hmm. generalities. Yeah. But I guess my point is when, when you talk to California winemakers who in three months might be looking at all of their fields literally on fire. So they yeah. are also not having a great time. Um, and you talk to them about why they're making the cuvées they're making and, and like, so much – and you talked about this earlier. So much of like just the ability to keep their lights on is like we have to keep our direct to consumer up. Yeah. And and the reality is they need to go through distributors in all 50 states mostly. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and unless they're working with you, but probably in addition to working with you at this point. And yeah, def- when you definitely. do that, you have to lower your prices for them mm-hmm. so that it's the right price in the market. And exactly. the only way you can survive is by having a very Strong direct volume. to consumer, having the right kind of tasting room in the right place, having um, you know a certain cuvee that's not your favorite, but you can sell for cheaper because you bought the fruit you're not as into, but it's okay because it helps yeah. pay for the fruit you care about, and all of these things that are um, negotiations, maybe with your true philosophy and your true beliefs that are just so that you can do the thing you want to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. And when you think about what these guys are doing, like. Well, I'm going to go to the fucking Shasta Mountain and just plant this shit and do like there is no room for those negotiations in that idea, right? Exactly. And so, how do you do that if you also have to cut all these corners? It's it's like that sort of sort of shows you like the difficulty the um like between a rock and a hard place yeah. that these producers are often in when they're like, how do I make this business oh actually make money?
1: There's so many links in the chain in American yes. wine, right?
0: You know, like you're buying grapes from somebody, right? You
1: are selling. The, you're selling. You're making wine and selling that wine to somebody who sells that wine to somebody who drinks that wine. So it's like somewhere for for people our age and younger to afford to buy wine, and for winemakers to afford to make wine. Yeah. Like some of those links have to give. Yes. You know? Yes. And and so I can't buy vineyards for people, but I can shorten the supply chain so that they make more money.
2: Um, no. No. I. I don't want to keep on doing good cop bad cop, but something that um. This is this is a two-parter. So um, something that uh, we, uh, I'm on the I, I think division. probably Gamay. Okay,
0: yeah.
2: um, I'm so when uh, our our friend Eric Asimov was on, um, I talked about like you know can we really expect consumers to know anything? Isn't that our job? And something I was thinking is like yes, cutting distributors, cutting me and Kevin and like, out of the supply chain. If you can get it into people's hands and you don't need us, like, it sucks, but fine, whatever. But the other people who are getting cut out of this are people who own bars and restaurants, mm-hmm. s- especially Soms, people who own wine stores. And, like, what I wonder is, and this is, I guess, and then, like, how do you sell these wines without someone helping you sell these wines? Right. Because, like, these are all, like, all the three wines we have here are what I would consider it. Maybe not the Mar- Martha's wines don't need to be hand sold anymore, but they're all like the idea of like hand cells, hard to find. Like these are nerdy wines. They're mm-hmm. great. This is this, this Game is phenomenal as well. Mm-hmm. But like, um, is there a baby with a bathwater thing? Like, if you just put like a list of, hey, here's all the wines you can get for me, are people just buying the dumb stuff?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely not. That's awesome. I, I think, I, I think to like <laughs> to your point before, like if you're right. in Iowa or mm-hmm. South Bend, Indiana. And you are seeing these wines They're on social media where you are, you you know, you, you, you know, these wines, if you have an interest in wine, you you see these wines are out here, but the only way you're going to drink them is if a distributor in your state picks them up mm-hmm. and, and that can just, it's just like a waiting game. You're like, Oh man, I hope like margins starts like distributing to like Indiana. And mm-hmm. so you would like, you know, as a sommelier, you like write, you know, it's just, you write distributors mm-hmm. and you try to like, get them in the state and it's just like a, a very, um, very hard process it's and funny
0: as sales reps when you get up like it's like your buyer is asking you to ask yeah. your manager yeah yeah to ask mm-hmm. your cfo exactly. if we can pick up this new producer because they want to buy three cases of it a year yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and you're like yeah i'll ask like i don't mm-hmm. know you seem to be the only like if you're the only person who wants it probably not but if more people want it maybe like it's a very weird you kind of see the like inherent flaws of the system in that yeah. moment. And I guess
2: I've already talked myself out of this, because, like, if I'm in South Bend, Iowa, and I want to drink a bottle of... Indiana. Uh, Indiana. Uh, uh, well, I don't give a shit. Um, they're, the same, they're the same to me. Don't DM me. Um, it, like, e- e- I want to buy a bottle of, of, of um, Shasta Sauvignon. Yeah. Uh, I'm just out that money. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I spend, whatever, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, $1,000, whatever it costs to get that fucking bottle to me. Whereas if I am a distributor uh in South Bend um Uniqlo or whatever and i want to like um i i have to buy a big quantity of it i mm-hmm. have to sell so it, it you're like maybe i've already talked myself out of it which is like yeah you probably sell more of the the dumb stuff but like selling the cool stuff like you mm-hmm. don't have to put as much you don't have to buy as much of the cool stuff first Yeah, you don't yeah. have to be we, sitting on stock
1: we only sell the cool stuff i mean not only but like that's the stuff that moves mm-hmm. Because it's the stuff that people are aware of but haven't been able to get, and it, it, it's it's the stuff that you know. It's the people who also, if if the producer is a good storyteller and has created a, a, a narrative that's exciting to people and compelling, which I think is true of most of our producers, like the work is kind of done. It's just about creating this 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 the mechanism for people to get it. Mm-hmm. I you know.
0: I have a couple of questions. I want to first mention that we are drinking the division gamemar Noir. Yeah. I want to mention that we wanted to do this. Wine,
2: we wanted to do it, yeah. we couldn't rest, get it, and we couldn't oh, get oh, right it. On. Well,
1: there you it was go. And you, you, you guys are get in get like the, the, the you guys are in a place where you would think you would be able to get it
2: exactly. And, and it just wasn't important. they were out of it here
0: or something. Or he, he they listens
2: mm. to the podcast and is a is a, a big fan. And um, Who's sorry, his, uh, who, uh, Jason Tom? from um, no, from um, uh, MFW.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: but it's, again, that's not that's not a slight like the realities of running, a di- this is another part, we probably want to get into this really, but like mm-hmm. the realities of like how you buy wine as an imported distributor are different than I think what you do. And I do want to talk about what exactly you do, how you yeah. do what you do, what you're yeah. and how the money gets to the producer. Y- and stuff yeah, like. yeah, exactly. This one um, whips. This yeah. Is, for, very for, good.
1: So like, I, I would just want to say what, you know, one word about Chad's it's like flavor wise. I love this wine. Cause it's like, it's got crazy acid and like, kind of like lime, like, mm-hmm. like super, super bright, like Savin and giraffe kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. But it also has like a deep sort of California generosity also. So it's mm-hmm. almost like two, two cool wines, kind of like there's a tension in that you almost are like tasting two wines at once, which is what I love about that.
2: It's like if they invented a new fruit called a chubby lime, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. new fruit just dropped. <laughs>
1: And then this, the the division, yeah, I love. So these guys, like, I think what's true of all three wines we're drinking is that like the the wines that we're, we have here are like the, the grape or wine that like grind like grounds their what they're doing,
3: mm.
1: and that you know Savonin, finding that Savinin in, in the Trinity Alps is what got Chad like with on the notion of doing that, mm-hmm. and then with this wine like Gamay for Tom and Kate who are the the you know the winemakers at Division. They so she's from you know her mom's from England and she, so she grew up had a really interesting childhood. Ultimately, like spent time in this kind of like country house near Beaujolais, mm-hmm. and so her and Tom when they kind of earlier in their relationship m- moved there and like made wine in Beaujolais for like a year or so. Mm-hmm. And so like Gamay was always like their kind of like what they were seeking in, mm-hmm. in New willamette and. And they, like, so they were making this going back, you know, some version of this going back to, like, 2011.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and for them, it was always, like, like the pinnacle of, like, the type of wines they wanted to make, and and which I think is so cool because it's it's early for, like, that sort of – I, I think that, like, emphasis on Gamay, I think 2011 mm-hmm. is kind of, like
0: – It seems early, yeah. yeah. It's, like, and, this spark of the Beaujolais thing that is yeah. happening now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it just – I think, like, thinking beyond Pinot Noir – Mm-hmm. in Willamette Valley yeah. is something that's very apparent now, but wasn't that wasn't sure. so apparent 10 years ago.
0: This is also, I would say one of the few Gamay Noirs I've had where it has that Beaujolais-esque like Garrigue quality mm. is actually yeah. very yeah. pronounced, which oh, I yes. think is what's often missing in Gamay from California, from yeah. whatever, from from America. Yeah. And they've, they've, they've nailed it, which is cool.
1: And what it is, I mean, so Tom compares this to Fleury I mean, mm-hmm. he, they're not like one thing you realize and it, I, I learned it in the process of starting this company is like on the West coast, especially in Willamette Valley, like they're not like comparing themselves to Europe, you know, mm-hmm. like they're like the way we do on the East coast where everything's like this old, old world, new world comparison, mm-hmm. like, which is very fun. It's just like their reference points aren't like directly, um, direct to Europe in the same way. And so, but so that it, it's not part of the conversation as much as you'd think. But with this wine, for the
0: dad wines they are. For,
1: but for the like dad, the yeah, I think the rads true. and the
2: rads not as much. Oh no, he's brought back. <laughs> but
1: you know, there's there's like a because this is the, you know what does Willamette Valley have? It has like the Jory soils, which is volcanic mm-hmm. basalt, like that is like fleury, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there, to me, there is like even though there's like a sappiness and like a darkness to this, maybe that mm-hmm. you you don't find in, in in France. Like it has like a brightness and an energy and a floral quality that like is. To me, like more fleury than say like Morgone or something. But so it also I, has I like a little that. of
0: that like um uh like Chile pais kind of mm. basalt mm-hmm. yeah. thing too, which always reminds me of Beaujolais in a weird way, where it's like this is if Beaujolais was on the other hemisphere. Well, it's like
2: so fun because Pais, as we talk about in the in our pais episode, has been like very colonized in many ways by people from Beaujolais.
0: You guys did a pais
1: episode or you or you will do one? We did one. Well, cool. I gotta check it out.
2: A couple years ago. It's, yeah it's interesting to see like all the commonalities. Yeah. yeah. I think that like
1: soil is fun to talk about sort of, but like, I think it's like, I, I, I think that like it's in Europe, It makes a lot of sense to talk about soil. Yeah. I think in California and Oregon and much of the new world and Cal- certainly America, it's like, I think kind of like terroir is like what you make of it, you know, it's yeah. like, and you do that by how you farm, you do that by like what you don't till or what you mm-hmm. plant in the, you know, it's like you got, you, you, you don't have these, like, inherited lands and these, like, inherited yeah. terroirs. Well,
0: that's something that I think maybe we'll talk about. We're going to yeah. do this Loire season next. And, like, yeah. I think one thing that's I've been thinking about is – and we've obviously talked a lot about, like, France's colonization of wine in general mm-hmm. in terms of, like, how we talk about wine. But, like, when you have these generational stories, when you have these places that have been sliced so specifically mm-hmm. – then, yeah, talking about these minor soil differences, like kind of, it makes sense in a way because mm-hmm. like you have to differentiate these three rows from those three rows somehow. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about California, when you're talking about a shorter story, uh, when, you're like about, a mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about – Like a novella. When you're talking about people without this generational – well, depending on who you're talking about and where, mm-hmm. without this generational wealth kind of rolling into it, um, it becomes a lot less important than – why are they doing what they're doing? How exactly. are they doing it? How are they? You know, and and all this other shit that comes with it.
1: Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. Like we as drinkers like like complexity. Mm-hmm. And as like if if it's, if it's just like we don't know about the wine, we 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 crave complexity. And how you get that complexity can vary. If you're in Burgundy, you just kind of get that complexity because the soils have it. You know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're dealt it in a way, and it's just like don't fuck it up. But in much of the new world, it's like, you got to kind of find a way to make it somehow. And whether that's, you you know, go use a more like reductive winemaking process where you're like, you know, or, or, you know, how you, or farm regeneratively and like Mm -hmm. kind of create an, an ecosystem where there's like a life force to that vineyard that like Mm -hmm. creates something cool. You know, like, I think you sort of, that is exactly Kevin, what you just said is like so true to what I believe, which is like purpose is like the terroir of like Mm -hmm. America. It's like, You gotta you
0: don't have to put the boat. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold
2: up, hold up. That's not what Kevin said.
0: Purp- no, you need- I was going to say, you need to, re- to run for fucking president on that slogan. Purpose uh, is the terroir of America. I just, like, gave you $50 uh, on
2: actblue.com. Well, I don't see uh, car- Carignan uh, Noir or car- Carignan uh, Blanc. Uh, for America, for me, uh, purpose is the terroir. Whether we're uh, buise or Cote de Buise. Uh, Nah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you said, but... It,
2: yeah,
0: no, that was good. Yeah, that was great. I'm sorry yeah, I stopped you. That was just such a perfect fucking phrase.
2: That was very good. Yeah, that was great. And I hope it didn't I didn't derail you because you were making a good no, point. No, that's no, just, a good yeah. line. That's a new t-shirt. Yeah.
1: I was just... It's like we don't have this thing where it's like the bones of our ancestors are like in the vineyards that we're farming. And yeah, like we yeah, get yeah. to just like... It's like much more... It's much more American. It's much more like, all right, like what... How do we like... What do we, what can we, how big can we dream? And like, it's just like, mm-hmm. what do we need to do to get there? And that's how you get like the Nate Reddys and like the mm-hmm. Mimi Castells who are like doing it, you know, creating it, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's very exciting. And I think at the, that to me is why I'm so excited to be focusing just on American wine. Right. Because like you see, I see this, whereas
0: I didn't see it, be, I did, it wasn't so clear to me before. So let me let me ask you this, um, and maybe we should move on. How long have I been going? It feels like not we've that been, long. I but feel like we—it feels very quick. Man. Um, um, we have plenty of time, but like I do want to talk about. Let's, like, let's go to
2: Martha's wine.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah let's do that. But by the way, I, I, do you guys like the gamay? It's oh yeah,
0: fucking phenomenal. I right?
2: wanted this fucking wine. I was I did <laughs> I pulled every trick up my sleeve. Like I, I, I said, please. I said, I'm going to I'm gonna die if I don't get it. I'm going to
0: sick a Komodo dragon on your bodega. I was
2: like, please, I really need it. I didn't want to tell you this, but I have COVID. Please send me the wine. It still didn't work.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I incredible. think they maybe because you had COVID, they were afraid you wouldn't be able to appreciate it, maybe. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, you can't um, gaslight wine importers. That's something I've been discovering, is like you can try as much as you, you want. You can't but gaslight they, a gaslighter. <laughs> yeah. Like, they know every trick in the book.
0: Um, no, I, this is the question I guess I wanted to ask as we start to drink the, the next wine. You know, what we're talking about um, and the conversations we're having, which I'm really enjoying, is, you know, if if, if someone was going to uh, play devil's advocate and be like, well, here is the why you need to have distributors and importers and sales reps. is like for people like me and John to walk into your restaurant mm-hmm. and have this conversation with you about a producer you haven't heard of before get you jazzed about them so you'll buy their wine and support them and I, and at my best i feel like i do that at my worst i feel like i'm moving 20 cases of Pinot grigio to pay my bills you know what i mean like mm-hmm. the you know i contain multitudes but mm-hmm. but like <laughs> on my best days why well, I, I feel like i'm doing what i love that's what i feel like i'm doing and so my question to you is like your website how
2: how
1: is
0: that being removed from
2: this yeah. equation? And is that something you worry about? Question. Great question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A very good question. And what, and, and it's like TBD, you know, mm-hmm. because we don't, so if we were to have this conversation a year ago, yeah, it would be, it would have been probably talked about sooner because the idea of selling wine on the internet only and, and express kind of like communicating what these winemakers are trying to do was, was sort of like unbelievable to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then COVID happened and, mm-hmm like the DTC thing kind of took off and, and everything changed, I think. And we, we accelerated maybe 10 years, right. you know, like we sort of I'd built
2: love to hyper accelerate,
1: <laughs> you know, like we, we kind of like built wine and peace, at least like the dream of it on this notion that like in five to, you know, four to five years, like people were going to be able to sell wine on the internet. And like, you know, like winemakers were going to need to look beyond the tasting room to reach a broader audience. Um, you know, all these things, like were hypotheticals that we believed in, but were thought were somewhat far off. Mm-hmm. And with COVID it just like became like overnight when the restaurants closed and winemakers reaching out to us. And I had conversations with all of our winemakers and was like, how am I going to sell this, you know, these 3000 cases? Um, oh yeah. It was like all of a sudden, like it was overnight. We had this moment where it was like, okay, this is our time to like try to actually prove our model.
0: That's and awesome. it, it, it was such an, it was such a, a, a obviously this last year was hard. Um, so, mm -hmm. um, but like, it was so apparent that like the, there were wineries that were set up where they were like, well, thank God we have our very robust direct to consumer program. And there Mm are wineries that were like, we were working on that. We weren't quite there yet. And now all our distributors and importers are like asking if they can send some wine back Mm -hmm. or (laughs) like canceling their orders. And it was like, it was super fucking scary. So I imagine having... This opportunity for, for the winemakers that you were reaching out to seemed like a great idea.
1: Yeah. And, and so what we did is we launched like probably four months earlier than we were planning to with okay. like a very basic model where the wine was coming from the wineries themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. So they were shipped. This is a, the other question I never got back yeah. to is like the actual yeah. logistics.
1: At, yeah. Like so that, they, like that, when we launched during COVID in May, it was our beta launch and it was just like help wineries move wine because like it was just, there was so much uncertainty and so it was so scary. And, and so we took no like revenue. I mean, we took, you know, we, we forwent our commission and mm-hmm. just all, all the money went to winemakers and they were just shipping it themselves. You you place an order on our site. That mm-hmm. wine comes from Martha Steumann to, to you at home. Okay. Um, but that was a very kind of like limited model because, you know, if somebody is again, South Bend Indiana wants to like mix and match and experience, ex- mm-hmm. you know, explore these producers and, they don't know these wines. Like you said, they're geeky wines in many cases. So it's like, I don't know if I want six, like seven from right. cascade. So mean, yeah.
2: you should probably get six. Seven,
1: you should. Yeah, you it. should. But, good. But, but it's like, we're, we were untested, you know, like, yeah, even if you knew the, the even if you love the wine, it's like, who, who's wine in peace. And, you know, and so we, we knew we had to get to a model where you're mixing and matching and, and we can create because That would be that would be the
0: value add to you. That's a big value. add. add. Speak or whatever the fuck. the so Huge value add because is, otherwise, is, if is you that. knew you if you knew you liked Martha Stueman's wines, you, you could buy six from 100%. her. But if you wanted one of hers, one you know uh, division wine, one whatever, then yep. that's when all of a sudden it becomes.
1: Yeah, I would say that the first value add is like you don't know who Martha Stueman is, in a lot of but a lot of people yeah. don't, you know, right. and so you have like ten thousand little wineries with ten thousand websites, and it's like how do you like figure out if you're a consumer like who to order from, or you know, they right. for the last hundred years or whatever. Since Robert Mondavi like invented the tasting room,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's just like you do, they depended on you showing up and and falling in love and like you know ordering a case that you know to bring home and become getting on the mailing list and so right. forth. So it was really a tasting room acquisition model. Yeah, and so that is really like the number one thing I think we we provide is like we are we like introduce these producers to uh, introduce c- customers to these producers they would not normally not know exist in, in many cases. And then if you do, if you are like more insider and know these producers, you can mix and match. And that's huge. And then it's like the cost of getting it. You know, if you order from a single producer, that producer can't like usually afford to like eat the, the shipping costs in the same mm-hmm. way that we can because we're shipping at greater, ma- greater quantities. Huh. So we provide like, you know, flat fee. You never like 15. If you order three bottles on our site, it's 15 bucks no matter where you are. Okay. Yeah. If you order six bottles or more, it's free. Okay. Whoa. And that's just kind of like you know our flat. We don't we don't want to like trifle with like trying to calculate shipping based on right. like your your shipping zone and what state you're in and all these things. So we just said like flat fee yeah, fifteen simple. bucks no matter what for three bottles. Anything you know anything over six is just free shipping. And that so, that's huge you know because the shipping can add up. Yeah,
0: at a certain point, brutal. at a certain point, you you realized you had to change from okay we are just a portal to we are purchasing this wine now from these producers and then packaging
2: ourselves and shipping so So here's a key also in question how did you get wine to yourself in canada
1: yeah so we just had to kind of it's it's coming i'll get to that i'll get to that but to to, i need to respond to kevin's statement because that's actually not true
3: oh
1: and that's what's the difference between us and any other wine e-commerce operation out there is we do not buy the wine oh just like etsy doesn't buy like the necklace that the person you know like they are a third-party marketing platform so to speak you yeah. know, they they are the the portal, they the, the discovery platform, but that is what allows us to, like operate. That's why we could sell these wines without taking any money when we launched. Because you, know, you don't, owe we, don't the money we don't buy them. it's not like we have a warehouse full of three million dollars worth of wine, mm-hmm. we do, but we don't own that wine. And so it's it's yeah it's a, it's the essentially, so is it
0: like the wine is on consignment with you? Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh. You know, so so to speak. You know, like it's it's kind of
0: complicated, but sure. ultimately what we're able to do is arrange you know we're, have you stolen we're, this wine <laughs> be honest the microphones aren't on are was HL. this a so thomas Crown all. affair situation
1: so we essentially like orchestrated um uh the, you know we we all the wine on our platform is in a single location uh-huh mm-hmm. and and that from that location is like our shipping partners we work with wine shipping who, okay. who's awesome and i would i love i love to talk about them because it's like what that third that like the whole like shipping layer and like how the wine gets you is still because DTC is so new to people, it's a nightmare. And it's like still like shrouded in mystery the way like distribution was for so long. And so like, I love talking about who we're working with, how awesome they are. The fact that like all of the shipping to the East coast is carbon neutral. Like, so they do, they're like, they're really, they're, they're just like, they're really good at what they do. And we knew that we didn't want to get into like shipping and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we found a, a, like a fulfillment partner who could kind of handle the logistics of mixing and matching dozens of producers and we can ultimately grow with, with them.
2: So your service is primarily the online platform then.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The, the online platform, but like, there's so much to do around just like onboarding producers and like, you know, the, and just building the platform to begin Mm -hmm. with. We're still like, we just launched in December. Right. And so it's like, we're still kind of getting our legs under us and like figuring out what it is, how we, how we operate. And cause we, we want to exist in the real world mm-hmm. to a huge degree. So we're planning a bunch of events starting in June where we're going to different cities. And um, we just brought on a, a, a new team member named Jill Davis, who's awesome. And, and so essentially we created this sort of like wine and peace on the road thing where we are going to be doing like partnering with companies mm-hmm. that we're going to be going to their city Throwing these like interactive tasting exhibits at sort of like a drunken children's museum, where you're
2: you're going to different a, a museum for drunken children,
1: <laughs> exactly a <laughs> museum also known as a museum for drunken children, and also sort of known like as two- an
2: Irish household. <laughs> oh, Kevin! Oh, <laughs> come Next on! Game. I resemble that remark. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, as, and and so, and then what we'll do is we kind of like co- that that company will co-sponsor uh, an an event in that city. For like in an, in an area that would normally not be have access like a wine event or mm-hmm. so like an under underserved area of that city and try to like, because our whole like underlying mission is like exclusive, like banishing this whole exclusivity thing with wine and trying to make it engage people who normally felt excluded. Sure. And so we're going to get out on the road starting in June and 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 really throw, throw some events and throw some parties and because and, our whole thing is bringing people to these wines and we know we can't do that just on the internet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that, that goes back to the other question I had, which is like, there does come a point where, you know, either the lowest common denominator wines rise to the top, or there's just like not enough communication where like the, the stories you want to tell aren't quite getting across what you want to. So it mm-hmm. sounds like that's the answer to that kind yeah. of conundrum for you guys.
1: And the site itself will grow, you know, like right yeah. now we don't have like producer pages. We, you know, there's all these, we're, we're like going to have like a more editorial, like magazine side. Yeah. So there's like education and like, you know, communicating the value of these winemakers is something that we are like, will be like an ongoing journey on the site too.
0: Because I mean, that's the thing, I guess, like at the end of the day, when I think about all the, you know, the different models here, what, what we're all kind of talking about it to some extent is like, there's so much wine. There's so much wine. Mm-hmm. There's endless amounts of wine. Most of it is absolutely fine. Some of it is really good and a little bit of it is great and we all want to kind of discover those things and it's very hard to do that just by wandering through, you know, your days and finding like yeah. you always want to find you want to have these conversations. You want to listen to a stupid fucking podcast that asks yeah. you to give them $5. Uh, every month to patreon.com slash discourgeous. <laughs> so we can get um, an office, guys. <laughs> you whatever, you pick up a wine zine called Discord zine. So you can see mm-hmm. fuck Mary Kill from all of your favorite wine. No, whatever you do, you talk to your your the guy at your wine store, you talk to your importer, distributor, mm-hmm. your sales rep, you talk to you go to this website that has these wine whatever it might be. Like what we're all searching for is like a way to have these conversations because that's how like, okay, so, like, I just moved to Beacon, and there's a, a a natural wine store three blocks from my house. Hi, Steve, how are you? I think he listens. He listens, yeah. And it's just so fun to, like, have – it's been a while since I've had, like, a really local store where I can go in and be like, I'm going to buy these five bottles. I know when I get a sixth bottle, I get 5% off. What should my sixth bottle be? Mm-hmm. And, like, he's going to throw it and be like, trust me on this one. Whether you like it or not, we'll be able to talk about it. And I'm like mm-hmm. – I'm excited to drink this wine even if I don't like it. I want to go back and be like, "Yeah, I wasn't into it, but, and here's why." Like mm-hmm. I'm starting to get that kind of interaction. And that's the part where I think like if for all being uh non-cynical about the industry, like that's mm-hmm. the part that we are, are are all in this for, am I wrong? Like that's the thing that brought well, us 100%. all to this fucking table.
1: Yeah. I'm in agree with that. And and I I never like that's the thing is we we didn't start this to be like we're we're disrupting the industry. You know, it was never like, we, we, we're not like tech startup people, you know? And so that, that whole like culture and like mentality is, is so like, we've been exposed to it because we like joined a startup incubator here in Montreal and like, Oh my God, I've kind of like gone, like you know, got a taste of it. And, you know, and if the, the thing we were doing is wasn't wine I, I never could have made it through it because it's just like such a weird, sterile like world. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, we just want to like make the numbers work for small producers, you know. Yeah. That's like our whole thing, and and talk try to talk about it in a way that make that resonates with young, young wine what wine drinkers, you know. And like
2: we've had a producer on our podcast who doesn't have distribution specifically because yeah, he feels like he gets fucked. And you guys sell his wines, I think. Who, who would this uh, be? Stagiaire.
1: Yeah, Brent. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hundred percent. Yeah. So he's like a great example. Of, like it just doesn't make sense distribute and and, but the, and for the becoming, volume
0: that you're making, it doesn't make sense to have to make these cuts. Yeah. While you're, yeah. It doesn't.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and the only way that he could potentially like make a living if he had to work with distributors would be to make twice as much wine and make worse wine and make worse wine. Make yeah, One it,
0: cuvee that's the bad cuvee that is like fifteen dollars yeah. a bottle just mm-hmm. to, like pay for the other ones. Like I was exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so like his model only makes sense if there are options like like us you know or or his own DTC yeah but like it's really hard you know to just do it yourself because you end up spending a lot of money just trying to like you know get people to know you exist yeah Mm -hmm. um and so so yeah like and then even newer wave producers like like Ashanta Wines and Mm -hmm. like people who are just like just starting out like almost like aren't even considering distributors it's not even Mm -hmm. like enough like whereas Brent he's I mean he's only made a few vintages but like he still is in like started in an ecosystem where distri- before COVID, where distribution was like at least like a, a, a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas since COVID, now it's like their winery starting who would, like won't even consider it. Which right, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just and and therefore they can they can make like eight hundred cases, and that's like that's 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 what they may make, you know, and and that just doesn't exist if if you only have distributors.
0: Right. My favorite. um Winemaker from the Ardèche. uh, Daniel Sage? Daniel Sage is like, he doesn't make enough wine to make sense to import it to America. So Mm -hmm. I've only had his wines three times.
2: But like. What was the third time? When I was in France. Okay. I I thought you were (laughs) cheating on me. I'm like, what the fuck? I love those wines.
0: (laughs) But like, that, you know, that does it. That exists in Europe. There are Mm -hmm. people who are like, I just make a small amount of wine and I make enough that, um, I can like I do something else for money, maybe or like yeah, mitos, mit is like that. God, um, yeah.
2: I mean, Nicholas Jacob is basically yeah. like that. He makes right. like four
0: bottles, right? So yeah. it's like <laughs> it's, but it's something that like it's way way harder to figure out how to do in America for hundred a myriad again. of reasons, mm-hmm. mostly having to do with uh, late stage capitalism. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah,
1: and you're buying grapes a lot of cases, and yeah. and it's more expensive to live and operate a business in California. Um, yeah. even then in Oregon, you know, like the numbers are really different between those two places. Right. Like if you're making a thousand cases in Oregon, you're like, like a household name, you know, like people like, you're just well, like, it's a lot of wine.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, People yeah. in Oregon don't like it when we, we, we talk about this, but there's not many people there and none of them are cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was probably one or two so, cool people. Um, and they made this wine. Yes. Yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 you know, like we have a producer, hundred sons who like, René, yeah, yeah, that was really those cool. guys are awesome. You know, they were like among the first people who really like jumped on board with us, and like we didn't know them before this, and they just like were so awesome, and like they where they were at in their company is exactly where we were at, and it's just like we hit it off, and mm-hmm. and like Renee was you know worked at a school, and like Grant was had a day job making wine at at Flanour. Mm-hmm. Which they like,
2: that was which has already become kind of a small place too. Yeah. No,
1: like that was like, I was like, okay, so that's his day job making wine. Like what are they, how many cases do they do? Cause I was mm-hmm. like, okay, are we getting into like bulk wine here? And she was like, yeah, I take like, 1200 cases, but you know, that's just his day job, you know? And so it's was like, it's, it's just, the numbers are so different. Whereas in California, you can't make less than a thousand cases and call yourself a winemaker. It's like, mm-hmm. really hard. Because it's just the number. It's just the math is different in California versus Oregon. Now. Everything's
0: bigger in California, as the bumper stickers But say. even that is
1: very small. Like we're talking yeah. tiny numbers. Like any any winery that finds itself into like a like you know, a th- into a distributor is going to be making just m- many multiples of that. Mm-hmm. Like this is a very tiny, tiny, yeah. you know, niche portion of the industry.
2: Well, so I will say, like, oh, sorry, John, you go. Let's say I wanted to buy fifteen cases of the same wine from you. Is that a thing you can do? And do you guys do case breaks?
1: Yeah, no, we don't do case breaks, and you know, Good. we keep it that. Way. <laughs> you know, and that would be like getting into like distributor right. like territory, and that's the thing is we don't see ourselves as. I mean, as you don't want Debra Veen
2: to come at you with a knife.
1: <laughs> you know, and so I, you know, it hasn't come up. You know, so. But you who, guys who sort
0: of see, see yourself more as a retailer than as a, just as an importer or distributor.
1: We're right? definitely. Yeah. I don't, yeah. See, we don't see ourselves as either. We see ourselves as like literally a way for a way of empowering producers to sell more wine themselves essentially. And, and like right now, if you're a if you're a winery, you may be like selling 10% DTC. If you're right. lucky, we lo- like, there's a lot of producers who could once they're selling maybe 15 to 20% that's like, okay, now the numbers work. Yeah, but they just have no way of getting to that number, and so we're not for any for anyone. We're not we're not we're never going to get to 100. percent where like all their wine is through us, mm-hmm. right? Because we want restaurants to exist, we want sommeliers to exist. We love wine shops. It's just, it's more like sommeliers. Let the,
0: some <laughs> some them some sommeliers, some okay. sommeliers, but like let them like just like make it sustainable. You know what they say you know? about sommeliers? Sommelier people, sommelier not. <laughs>
1: So That's that is yeah, our whole yeah, thing—is like switch, just like just balance the books, you know, just like make the numbers work for these guys, if um, you will. Um, and so, yeah. And so, what do you guys think of the Martha Suman? He's fucking
0: great. It's so fucking good, Karen Yan.
1: Um, Dude, it's a, Car- Karen Nan is the jam. This is Mike the great that I think is so exciting for like just California. Like this to me is like has a potential to be like the new whatever Cabernet Sauvignon or something. We, we don't pay enough like...
2: attention to Martha. Um, and this, uh, that's our fault. It's because every other natural wine podcast or natural wine, like, like Instagram account was always posting bottles of hers. And I, we want to be different. I fucking yeah. love her wine. I love her she, wines too. And I know we did one of her wines once. And John doesn't remember. I think it was like, <laughs> she DM'd us. She wants to, we talked about having her on and I was should. like, I, I got so scared. I was
0: like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> her wines are incredible.
0: And, uh, Yeah, but we did one like on the maybe like the 12th episode Mm -hmm. or something. I can't even remember. It was a long time
1: ago. Her wines are amazing. And she like, like her story resonates with me being like a kind of like middle, like millennial who like was in love with like Ariano Kipinti's wines. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like like someone who like loves Sicily and like, like she, that's where she learned to make wine, like at Coase, you know. And so like she like kind of has a story that really, to me, is like, wow, like it makes sense her wines taste like this because. She's from California, like grew up in right near Sebastopol where she is now. Went to Sicily and, you know, spent about eight years working harvest in different places. But like, really, like, I think her like spiritual, like, 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 like core was really like born at Coast and Giusto like took her under his wing. And like, and you can just see like, I, I, she's just somebody who's like so intentional and like never rushes things and like is just like very, very smart and about how she does everything from making the wines to talking about the wines to like growing her business. Like, and I think maybe that's like why you were intimidated by her because like, she's just like, she she just does. I don't know. I'm so impressed by her.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's also like, you know, what do you say? What do you, what do you say to a winemaker who doesn't need you? You know, yeah. <laughs> most, yeah. most of these motherfuckers come on here and they're like, please a crumb of attention. Please, please, please. <laughs>
1: yeah, she, she's awesome. And to be honest, like she was somebody who I was also very nervous to meet because mm-hmm. someone who I, I've i looked up to for a long time and, and definitely like had that, like, you know, trepidation in meeting her. Cause like we went to this one place in Sebastopol where like it's Pax smalls, you know, mm-hmm. facility where like, you know, Carlo Mandavi and and like what Jason Rupert and Patrick Capiello and like, just like there's some serious like star power and they're all having like harvest lunches and like, you know, doing like a shrimp boil and and you just and Pax is kind of an intimidating dude. He's like very serious. And um and, and so like you I, I was very intimidated to like meet all these people at once because like I it was like sort of like high stakes, high reward. Like if it went mm-hmm. great, amazing. But I felt like we could kind of just like burn a lot of bridges in a single afternoon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would that be the like... gorgeous <laughs> way. <Yeah>. That's uh
2: <laughs> that's something that we well, sell. Like, out what
0: at. a motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And, Put and her Martha feet was right somebody, in the crawfish boil or whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and she just like got it. She was like, Oh, the Etsy of wine. She's like, Yeah, I had that. I had an idea like that, like in 2011. And like I was going to do it. And then I got kind of busy making wine. And but just like totally got it and totally got on board and and just has supported us from the beginning and was very instrumental in like helping us think through the business model and like giving us like just feedback, you know, from a winemaker perspective. And yeah. it's so funny. she rules. Yeah. yeah. She she rules. And like, so this is from. It's Mendocino. I think, like, so, like, storylines that, like, are so central to, like, the wines we all love coming out of America are, like, Mendocino. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. if Mendocino didn't exist, like, yep. none of this whole winemaking generation would of, exist. like, the new, new California or whatever, like, would not exist. Yeah. Because it just has, like, it's, it's like, the engine that has fueled all of these wines. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the Dash of California.
1: Yeah, it's oh. the Dash of California. Yeah, because it's just, like, of this crazy... Library of old vine, yeah. rooted, you know, just like cool bush vine, Carignan and Zin, and
0: it's all there. And want. it's also like it, but it doesn't like for to a certain person over a certain age, it's looked down upon. But it's like no, this is this is like where you could find this like old rooted stuff. This like yeah. these these grapes that are aren't Cab and fucking yeah. Merlot and whatever. Um, yeah,
1: and if they weren't a hundred years old, they wouldn't be as exciting. But they right. do right. happen to be that it, that old, you right. know, and. And the, and this is like Eastern, you know. I think a lot of people don't understand the geography of Mendocino because nobody who isn't buying grapes from there like goes there. Goes there, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, like, there's like the Anderson Valley side, which is like the bougie side where right. like the champagne houses are and like the super expensive pinos. And but then like you go, you basically go one valley over to Redwood Valley, Ukiah, and all this stuff where it's just like old Italian families who are like hardcore, like just hardcore Italian and and have just been planted, like,
0: say, this, this, left just right. super, like
1: crazy, like they have like Italian clubs and like, it's just like Uh-oh. deep, Uh-oh. like, like just
2: going, uh, it's just a really, it's like, very, it's like the Irish version of a shillelagh.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so this is, this is from Venturi Vineyard, which is Larry Venturi, really just mm. old school dude. And, um and she's has a great, like Martha's somebody who's really helped me like develop this, this idea of like, the the, the negotiant model being like a feature not a bug mm-hmm. and because she, she just like is like I love being out in the vineyard and I love visiting the vineyard twice a, you know every two weeks and being involved in the decisions she's and 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 but she's like what I love more is like the relationship with with Larry mm-hmm. yeah and like the collaborative aspect and getting to focus on winemaking
0: there also is this like um, we like want as drinkers to like hear that romantic story of like Oh, he's painstakingly in the vineyard every day doing the green harvest, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. He's 117 years old. Mm -hmm. Like, we love these stories. He's like, but it's also like, there's so many winemakers I've met who are like, I fucking hate working in the vineyard. Like, I do it because I have to, but like, I like making wine. And like, that's okay. Like, you don't expect your. Uh, your artist to make their own paints you know what i mean like it's or your chef to like grow his own food like it's, well, you like, do it's it cool. some parts of brooklyn mm-hmm. it's cool if you can do that if you can grow your own herbs mm-hmm. on the wall or something but like yeah. but you don't not everyone has to do that like sometimes you can just be a really good winemaker and be really particular about like who you work with and like mm-hmm. what grapes you source but that's yeah. fucking fine also and in america kind of necessary
1: And I think one, it's like, I think the ghost model works really good in certain places in in, in America too. Like it's not great everywhere. For example, like if there's irrigation involved, I think it can become problematic because like if you're not controlling irrigation, but you're making the wines, I think like that can get, that can get funny. Right. Uh, But if, but that's why like, I think, you know, the producers we work with in like Santa Barbara, for example, Mm -hmm. closer, you know. To the coast or inland, you know, those irrigations more necessary there because of the soil types and right. and 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 therefore the people we work with like have their own vineyards because you just like need to kind of yeah. Um, but trust if, it. But if you have someone like Larry Venturi who just knows how to grow grapes and's been doing it for so so long, and his dad was doing it, and his grandfather was doing it. It it's just like that's an awesome situation because he's very good at that, and Martha is very good at making wine, you know and they have a relationship and they talk and they talk about, you know, you know, trellising things. And they talk about viticultural things. They talk about social things. They talk about like labor, you know, and, and, you know, she has a survey she gives to her growers around how they're paying their employees and things of this nature. And, and that's what we really have made a push to, to, to promote among our producers as well. And
2: that's, that's kind that's of a important. hot t- topic in the news right now. So that's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um It's, yeah. So anyway, that, that to me is like, I, I just love, you know, I I just love the, like the producers who really like lean into it and, you know, the negotiation thing and, and make it work for them. And then there's also people like Brent who is buying some food, but he's also like just doing anything he can to like get a few acres and farm a few right. acres. And, and that's awesome too, you know? Yeah. So, so I, I just think that like, there's something really exciting about, and again, it goes back to like the notion of terroir, and like if you believe in terroir the way it is in Europe, then it makes sense to own your own vineyard. Mm-hmm. But if if the, if it's something different, you know, then then it's if it's more about who the person is and what they're trying to do, like it doesn't necessarily they don't have to have an estate,
0: right? Um,
1: you know, so so yeah. So in I some just, ways,
0: it's you know. like you guys are the. Um, the buying wine version of that, where it's like we don't have to have an estate, we don't have to have a warehouse, we don't have to yeah, have a yeah, interesting yeah, you know yeah, it's, yeah. There, there's a there's a kind of commonality there yeah yeah for sure
2: just three so. cords and a microphone <laughs> two <laughs> turntables <laughs> yeah
0: um well this is incredible this has been really fun um, this is probably end stuff. it here I would say um you seem like an extremely nice person for being from Martha's Vineyard so that's suspicious to me. <laughs> I'm going Maybe to look spy, into, yeah. you, you might've been born like in, I don't know, Hyannis or like, um,
1: <laughs> my wife, Katie born. was born in, uh, in Worcester. So oh, oh, Worcester? That's, we know that uh, is legit. Doll, that's very legit.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That, next time yeah, let's that's... have your wife on instead of you. How about that? You
1: guys would have enjoyed her for sure. <laughs> and so that is, we'll make that happen. Does she have the, the Worcester voice? You know she doesn't because she moved to the vineyard when she was like six or something. Because her oh, mom she was actually the
0: vineyard. Her, her her
1: mom ran an emergency room there and was held hostage basically. Oh. Um, by a dude who was like on the run from like had like shot somebody and was like bleeding to death and basically ha- was in this hostage situation and Whoa. like s- saved the hospital by like hitting the dude with like a like an IV like stand. Jesus. In Worcester. Yeah. In Worcester. And Worcester. And it was then like, big, fuck
0: this, I'm going to the vineyard. And she basically said, fuck this, I'm
1: moving to the safest Fuck this, in Massachusetts. bro, I'm going to the vineyard. And she moved to Chomark uh, and Martha's Vineyard. Well, that's Literally, a smart that's why vineyard. she moved there. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here. What, what, yeah, what else can we just, like, one last plug before we go? Um, wine Shit, and man, peace. yeah.
1: Wineandpeace.com. Check it out. You know, put in your zip code, see what What's you can so get. funny
0: about wine, peace, and understanding?
2: Oh, wow.
0: That would be the sub-headline of the... Mm-hmm. The episode, if I could do it.
2: Well, you can do that. Fuck it, man. You you, uh, you type in those in. Yeah. I don't type those in.
0: <laughs> but I really appreciate you guys. You know,
1: I love this pod. You guys oh. are awesome. Thanks. And it's it's hard to know a lot about wine, but I think it's probably harder to be funny. And so,
2: well, we do neither. So actually, <laughs> like, it's pretty fucking easy. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, like this is a this is very cool. um Very cool. What you guys are doing, and definitely the the pod i'd want to most be on and probably the only pod that would have me so
0: (laughs) there you go Um. we're in we're in good company (laughs) yeah i won't be part of any pod that will have me on actually (laughs) uh sam thank you so much this is awesome yeah thank you Uh, check out the website
2: grab some wine um and while you're spending money at patreon.com regular slash disgorgeous thank you to everyone who's been donating um we are we're we're making some big money moves. So it's really fun to get some money from you guys. Um, it's always been really funny to get money from you guys, to be honest, but it's, you know, it's not just, uh, it's not just the wine guys. We're going to get an office. Um, we are paying um, our Gunter and um, we are um, trying to influence politics. So keep sending money our way every month.
0: Yeah. Full stop. That's it.
2: That's, that's it.
0: Sam, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you guys. Bye everybody. Thank you so much, man.
1: Yeah
3: thanks this is gorgeous